Welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. Today's guest is the incredibly talented and creative Taylor Davidson. Taylor's energy in and of itself is so healing and nurturing, you can literally feel it ooze from the mic. On today's episode, we discuss how fortunate she feels to have grown up in Maine with nature being the foundation for her childhood. We talk about Taylor's birth journey and how things don't always go as planned. We discuss the importance of finding your passions and being lucky enough to have created her own space in the birth community as an art doula and the process of mending her two worlds together of being an artist and her newfound love for birth work. We talk postpartum vaginal care, how art can act as therapy for anyone dealing with loss or grief, and so much more. Taylor's overarching message in this episode is one that I think every person needs to hear, that life can be broken down so simply if you practice the art of being present and giving yourself ease and grace. This is a beautiful episode, and I hope you all enjoy my conversation with Taylor as much as I did. Be prepared for lots of great tips and takeaways when it comes to pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and life in general. Enjoy. All right, you guys, calling all creatives of LA or anyone traveling to the LA area in need of an event space, photo studio, content location, video space, production services, or grip services. Issue Studio is a unique photo, video, and event space, and Issue offers full-service production in an exclusive, intimate, and private boutique environment. The space is so beautifully curated, you guys, and I can't tell you how many shoots I've done at Issue that have turned out to be some of my favorite shoots to date. Not to mention a bunch of amazing events I've attended over the years where the studio gets completely transformed into the best atmosphere for the perfect party. Also, you guys, the wallpaper in the makeup room is absolutely iconic and it's perfect for the Instagram feed. So I highly recommend Issue Studio for any brand or any influencer looking to elevate their image. It is seriously the most beautiful studio I've ever shot at. And I've shot out a lot of studios here in LA and it's just so clean. It's centrally located. There's a huge parking lot, which is huge here in LA. So go check it out at issuephotostudio.com to find more details about how you can book this amazing space for your next photo shoot, video production, content creation, party, event, whatever it is that any of you creatives need here in LA, Issue Studio has got you. So go check it out. (laughs) Hi, welcome to the show, my love. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Yeah, of course. So I just feel like you are such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things pregnancy, postpartum, motherhood. So I feel like you're just the perfect fit for this show. And it just so happens to be that you are Logan's partner. And just for some context for the audience, Logan is my mom's best friend's son. (laughs) So Logan and I have known each other uh, since the day Logan was born. I was in his life. So I've been kind of like a little bit of an older sister to Logan. And then you came into his life. How many years ago was it now? Just about three, which is crazy. But yeah, just about three years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It does seem like longer than that because so much has happened. Yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. You guys had a baby. I mean, didn't you buy your first house, right? Yeah. And I feel like on year one, Mm -hmm. it was just like, bam, 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 bam. And it was great timing. Like looking back on it, you know, we've never really had, Logan and I have never really had a dull moment. (laughs) You got to keep things interesting. Just keep on rolling. 
it's kind of weird to me because I always have looked at Logan as kind of like a a younger brother. So it's just so wild that he's like at this place in his life and you guys are just doing so well and both just super successful and making parenthood look like a breeze and also working full time. It's a lot. And you guys are doing such an amazing job. And I'm so happy that Logan has you in his life. Truly. Thank you. How did you guys meet? (laughs) So we grew up in towns that neighbor each other, but we didn't go to the same school. So high schools were, he was, you know, all into sports and super athletic. And that was not my life. That was not my, <laughs> my story at all. I was definitely the arts kid. Yep. We always joke that like he was playing sports and doing wrestling and football. And I was living my life like in the pottery studio. <laughs> I always think that's so funny because like our home bases where the houses we grew up in are maybe five minutes from each other, seven are minutes you serious? at most. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Even though we went to different schools, we knew all the same people. And I mean, you being from Maine, like you understand. Right. It's a very small state. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So we grew up close, but didn't know each other. And kind of when things started to open up a little bit more, schools opened back up, you know, people started going back to work and trying to figure out what that new normal would look like. We both started working at an elementary school. And I thought I was going to be an art teacher. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like doing my due diligence, like working with the little kids and he started as a substitute because he needed to kind of fill in some some work and he loved kids. And Bev, which is your mom's best friend, my uh-huh. mother-in-law, she was a secretary at that school. So Logan okay. started working there. And <laughs> I remember when I started working there, I didn't know Bev. I didn't, I didn't know anybody at that school at the time. And Bev goes, oh, Taylor, like this is so-and-so. And she's introducing me and giving me the lay of the land. And she goes, she won't admit this. She won't admit this to this day, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> she pulls me to the side and she goes, have you met Logan? And I was like, who's Logan? And she was like, oh, she was like, you wait until you see him. And I was like, okay, like, who's Logan? <laughs> and she's like, oh, he's my son. And then I was like, oh, okay. So like, I couldn't tell if she was like feeling me out or. Yeah. But she's like, you'll know. You'll know when you see him. Yeah. He was right. Um, <laughs> and I definitely did. If you picture an elementary school, you know, you have a lot of women working there. And then you have this like six, three, like big guy working with these tiny like <laughs> preschoolers. And he, he loved the youngest, like the smallest children. He loved the preschoolers. Oh, And I was like, oh, who is this guy? This has to be Logan, right? Yeah. So that's kind of how we met. Oh. And it was cute because it was like we were in a school, so we were still wearing masks. Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so we only knew each other from like the eyes up. And then I remember hanging out one of the first times. We were like, oh, like let's just do something fun. We'll just go get you know lunch because school gets out early. So we were like, yeah, let's get a late lunch, you know, hang out. And we both took off our masks. <laughs> and it was just like reality television. Like, yeah. what do you look like? It's like a blind date, essentially. You literally don't know until you take the mask off. Yes, yes. And I was glad that he had all his teeth, you know. (laughs) Oh, I love that story. I had never heard that before. Bev was for sure setting you guys up. But like secretly. Yeah. She probably saw this beautiful, amazing girl and she's like, oh, this is going to be Logan's girl. Oh my gosh, you guys make the cutest couple. I love that story. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really know too much about, you know, your childhood and your upbringing. Like, I'm sure it was very similar to mine just because we grew up in the same state. And I feel like people are very like-minded in the state of Maine when it comes to raising children and just being in such a rural environment and being surrounded by nature. But tell me a little bit about your childhood and what that was like growing up in Maine. Yeah. I feel like this is where the like-mindedness that you just talked about kind of comes in. I have grown to appreciate growing up in Maine. Like when I was little... You don't really think that much about it, but I had this big yard and, you know, the woods out back and a field mm-hmm. on one of the sides of my house. Like it was just a very safe, very nurturing kind of childhood. And I think that, you know, growing up in Maine, your friends typically have that too. And right. sometimes like for me, I lived across the street from my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. 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 You have this like safe little bubble or that's what I had at least. Very fortunate to have that. But 
growing in Maine, you're always like, I'm going to get out of here. Like, I, I'm going to leave. Like, I'm going to do something. And I grew up, like I said, lots of space to roam, very connected with nature. My mom, not so much, not so much of the nature bug, but she was definitely somebody who really valued experience over like physical material things. things. Yeah. 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 So she was really big on, we were always going for trips to the beach or for a big hike or to kind of explore something outside. My father, you know, fishing, hunting, the kind of main yep. man thing that you would think, <laughs> you know? Yep. And that's kind of generationally what I was surrounded by. So I was really fortunate to kind of grow up with the foundation of nature being at play. And as soon as I graduated high school, I was like, I'm out of here. Like Mm -hmm. Hawaii, California, Arizona. Like I was like, get me to the other side of (laughs) the United States. Like that was just, that was where my mind was at. But I didn't stay in either of those places very long. I had a summer camp opportunity to do a summer excursion type thing in Hawaii. And it was wonderful. It was a great, very random opportunity. A friend of mine was going out there. She had worked at the summer camp for years and she knew somebody who was like, oh yeah, like we'd love to have you out in Hawaii, come spend the summer and hang out with these kids basically and run a summer camp. That sounds like an amazing experience. Very similar to my experience. I was in Hawaii too. Yeah. It's beautiful over there. It's so beautiful in such a different way than Maine is. Yes. So I eventually, obviously, I came back after all those experiences and Mm -hmm. kind of settled here to pursue college and more art study type things. And then a little while down the road from there, I met Logan. Oh, and the rest is history. Ah, I love that. I know. I feel like growing up in Maine, you take it very much for granted because like you said, you know, all of your friends are kind of growing up the same way and we're just so blessed to have been given all of this space to roam around. And so many people don't have that growing up. And I feel like it's such an important, you know, thing that I look back on in my childhood. And I feel like it's contributed to so many things in my life. And I'm so glad that you ended up going back to Maine and planting your roots there because it really is such a underrated place. Like everyone who asked me like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Maine. And so many people have never been there. And I'm like, you have to go. It's so beautiful and so underrated. And that's the beauty of it, I think, is that not a lot of people know about it. So how now that you've kind of transitioned into a lot of doula work now, how did you make that transition? And like, have you always been interested in this type of work? Yeah. Doula work definitely came with the birth of my son, Oliver. And I feel like being in the doula community for a little while, that seems to be kind of a theme yeah. for a lot of women, at least here in Maine. A lot of them have had some kind of birth experience of their own or someone in their family, close friends that kind of pulled them in to the birth community, which I think is really special. It is. Yeah. It's such an inspiring experience to go through, you know, pregnancy and, and labor, delivery. And it's so important to have those people in your community, to have those women to be there to support you. And I think that that's why women are so drawn. Like once they become pregnant, it's like it's this whole other world that you get opened up to and exposed to. And it's like, wow, I love this. You're so right. You're so right. I think what drew me, so I've always loved kids. And I mentioned wanting to be an art teacher. So I guess it was always, there was always something there. Right. But to hear the stories of these other women, the women before me, even in my own family, like it feels so grounding to hear other women talk about their birth stories or their pregnancy journeys or whatever it is. And it's such a way to connect. And I think I had no idea. I mean, I used to love listening to my mom and my grandmother, my aunt talk about that stuff. But until I lived it, It was like a whole new level, you know? Right. And it's wild how every single person's pregnancy and birth story is so different. Yes. So different and so interconnected in the same way. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I love that. My birth journey with Oliver, we had this idea. So here in central Maine, it's for anyone who's been to Maine, you know, we're kind of chunked off into sections and, you know, got northern Maine and central Maine and then southern Maine Yeah, to make it really, really, really simple. But 
in central Maine, it's not super duper common to have a home birth or to have a birthing center birth or, you know, and not only is it not super common, but we don't have a ton of resources right now to kind of, you know, educate or support birthing people who want to go that route. And so that's kind of where the doula community came in for Lowen and I, because when we learned that if we went a little bit, like dipped our toes into Southern Maine a little bit, mm-hmm. there were these resources and there were doulas and there were alternatives to birthing in a hospital. And right. so it kind of opened up that world, like you had mentioned, and that was really special. That felt like an eye-opening experience more than just what Logan and I were going through in our birth journey. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes you can feel like you're kind of stuck in a little bit of a bubble, especially when you're in Maine. And I'm so glad that you are now providing these resources for all of these people in central Maine and in that area and exposing them to all of this amazing knowledge that you have. You are such a wealth of knowledge. Like just your Instagram alone is amazing. Like I was just going through every single post and I was like writing down so many notes just on every little thing that you have to offer. So I think that it's so important for people like you to just be spreading the word of what you're passionate about. And clearly you're super passionate about it and you're great at it. So when you were pregnant with Oliver, you guys kind of started exploring that route. And then what happened after that? Yeah. So I I am the worst person in the world with timelines. Like if you asked me how long ago something happened, I'd be like, oh, I was probably 12. Like (laughs) I was not 12. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's our mom brain too. There's just so much going on in our brains at once. Like it's so hard to keep track. Yes, a hundred percent. So again, I want to say I was somewhere in my second trimester with Ollie. I had known that you had chosen a home birth and I had known that you had done it. And so I was like, okay. I was like, what is that? What in the California is this? Because <laughs> in Maine, like, we, we, it just wasn't something I was thinking. So when I, I was able to kind of find those resources here for home birth, I was like, this is amazing. Like this option I really want to explore. So we ended up going about 45 minutes-ish south of us. And we found mm-hmm. this amazing midwifery group And they offered home birth. And now, which is super awesome, a little jump forward, they also have a birthing center. Oh, amazing. It's beautiful. It's called Soft Corner Midwifery. And it's in Bath. And everything they do is just beautiful. But they're who we found. And I don't know if it's more like a divine timing kind of thing. But when we found Soft Corner, our midwifery place, We knew instantly after the first consultation, Logan and I were like, yeah, this is where we belong. This is what we're going to do. And we didn't think about how we were going to tell our parents or Mm -hmm. anyone that we knew because, you know, Central Maine, you have a hospital birth. It's just the norm. Yeah. It is what it is. And nothing wrong with that at all. But it was awesome. It was such a good feeling. And we went with them. We started having these prenatal visits and the type of care we were receiving was so special to us and felt so in line with what we never knew we needed. Right. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And so kind of fast forward to the day that I'm going into labor, we were like, okay, we're having a home birth. We had everything set up, everything ready to go, midwives on call. My best friend was kind of acting as my my doula. She's a nurse. Oh, that's so nice. You know, she had never attended a labor, but she was willing to be in that role. And she was incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> but this is when so everything was like this romantic vision of what we were <laughs> doing and our birth plan. And, and then we're progressing in labor. And I get to this point where I'm like, okay, Logan, I know it's time to call the midwives. Like it's time to call the midwives. And everything up until this point had been so intuitive. Like my labor had been intuitive. It was intense and it was all the things that labor can be, you know, real pain in the ass. But also I can look back and romanticize the lead up to birth. So the midwives get here. My best friend was already here doing all the hip squeezes and all the techniques and all the all the things, you know. And I was like, okay, one of two things needs to happen. First of all, I really need to figure out how to go pee. Yeah. Because for some reason, that was keeping the whole show from hitting the road here. Like, I, for some reason, I just couldn't 
figure out how to pee. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's a weird sensation. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> at that time. And I was like, so I either got to pee or we got to fill up the birthing tub because I was like, I need one or the other because I need some kind of relief. And one of my midwives, this amazing, amazing woman <laughs> looks at me and she goes, I think that we just need to relax, lay down with Logan. We need to try to rest. Like you've been at this at this point for well over 24 hours. She was like, mm-hmm. I really think that you need to rest. Like I would be surprised if you were further along than four centimeters. And when she told me that, I was like, oh no. Up until now, like I said, everything had been like hypnobirthing and very deep and grounding work. But I was like in the flow. Everything was intuitive. It was happening. And when I heard those words, like, I think you're probably at four centimeters. I can check you if you want. But that's where I think you are. I was like, holy crap. In my head, I was like, this isn't good. Like you were thinking you were already way farther along? Oh my goodness. I was dead and determined that I was. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hadn't even questioned it. Like I had no cervical checks, nothing up until this point. And so I was dead and determined. And to hear that, I, it was like my poor heart. <sighs> it was because my contractions, you know, they weren't lining up with the timing that's very congruent with a woman who is close to laboring or to right. delivering. I wasn't lining up with the 511 rule mm-hmm. is what it was. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I tried to go pee one last time. This peeing thing was a very big deal because it was like a monumental moment to make it from the bathroom to wherever I was. Like you, was, uh, you had spoken about that too. Like yes, to be absolutely. told you have to make it to the bathroom is like asking a birthing woman to climb Mount Everest. Yes, very difficult task. <laughs> so I was sitting there trying to pee with my best friend, and she's sitting there and she's like rubbing my shoulders and like in the moment with me, and I'm like, we're going to the hospital. And she was like, what? And I was like, we have no bag packed. We have no hospital bag, nothing. I was like, could you pack a bag? We're going to the hospital. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to go get Logan. And I was like, okay. So Logan comes in and he was like, honey, what? What?" And I'm like, tell the midwife to pack it up. We're going to the hospital. <laughs> and I, had, I was like, as you can probably imagine, any laboring person, I was non-negotiable. Oh, yeah. And that was it. And I had just, there was something in my brain that felt so defeated in that moment. I was like, I'm only at four centimeters. We're nearing like 30 hours deep in this labor. Like I need some rest. I need some relief. I'm done. Yeah. And uh, we told the midwives, my friend was a trooper. She packed a bag and, and the midwives were like, all right. And they were great. My midwives are amazing. They gave me like the best pep talk ever. They were like, you stick to your guns. Like, you know what you want. Like you do this. And they were awesome. They hyped me right up Aww. and we packed the car. And since it was COVID, they weren't coming with me. So I got right. to bring Chantel, which was my friend and Logan packed ourselves in the car contractions and all. And this is like a main oh. winter. I'm laboring like February 2nd. <laughs> so oh it's main gosh. winter with snow and coats and belly oh and the whole thing. And so we get the hospital's not very far. We it was maybe it felt like 30 years. It was maybe a yeah. 10 minute drive. Yeah. <laughs> 30 years. And we get to the hospital and you know, my best friend's got me in the wheelchair. We're, we're getting me up this upstairs. Logan needs I don't even know if it was like an apple juice or whatever he needed from the vending machine, like mm-hmm. priorities, yeah. like punching his numbers. And I get up to the hospital and this this lovely she was a resident doctor and she was amazing. And she's like, hey, I'm going to check you and we're going to figure out how far you are along. She checks me and I will never forget this woman looks at me. And like I said, 10 minute drive to the hospital. She looks at me. She goes, honey, this baby's coming out. You're at nine centimeters. Like he's here. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I just got goosebumps everywhere. And I was like, oh my God. Like what? I was like, okay. And then I instantly said, well, I need to go back home. (laughs) Because I'm having a home birth. (laughs) <laughs> you are so set in your ways. I love that. And they were like, honey, like, no, like, he's coming out. Like, we got to do this. And in my head, I was not a nice woman. But thankfully, hopefully, from what Logan and like Chantelle have told me, like, no, like, you were so nice and like trying to like apologize and plead with everybody. Oh, I can picture that. 
But yeah, long story short, I ended up having this beautiful natural birth at the hospital very quickly. Like showed up at the hospital. Like how long after you showed up did it happen? So I pushed maybe, maybe for 30 minutes. Wow. Well, he was like coming out. (laughs) Yeah. So when you were at home, did your midwife check you or did she just kind of assume that because of your contractions that she just kind of assumed that you were only at four centimeters? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was the way that I was acting. Because we we had like a powwow afterwards. They come and do home visits and postpartum. Right. And I was relaying this to her. And I wish I could show you the look on her face when I told her, yeah, I got to the hospital at nine centimeters. And she was like, huh? (laughs) She was like, huh? Like how, like you could tell. It made me feel better to know how shocked she was. But I had turned down the cervical check. She had offered it. Oh, okay. When she said, I'm assuming you're probably only around four centimeters. You're not probably in active labor. I was very in the zone. It's like when I would have a contraction, it was like. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I had turned it down, the cervical check. Wow. But it had worked out beautifully. And so I always joke that I kind of had two births. I know. Everybody talks about like a birth plan. It literally never goes as planned. No. Yeah. But that's hilarious. At least you got to have your natural birth. Yeah. And yeah, that's all that really matters. And he came out healthy and beautiful. And that's perfect. (laughs) I can't believe that. The best part out of all of this, and it feels so full circle to be telling you this story. Because your birth story, I'm like sitting here, huge belly, like reading your birth story. And I'm like, okay, she did it. Like, she did it at home. We can do this. And it just makes (laughs) me smile to know that now I'm like, hey, listen, this is what happened because you were yeah. so inspiring and like what you were doing like touched me and like that was so important. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was definitely a journey. It was a process. <laughs> but like you said, I can look back and romanticize on a lot of it. And then there are other times where I'm like, that was literal hell. Yes. But <laughs> I'm glad that it all worked out in the end for both of us. Yes. If you were to have another kid, would you do another home birth? Absolutely. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Because you're like, you can reminisce and then you can be like, holy cow, that was a lot. I yeah. still want to do it again. <laughs> I know. Would you do it too? Yes, home birth? 100%. Yeah. Well, that birthing center that you were talking about that your midwives have also sounds amazing. So that could be another option too. Yeah. So now are you a practicing doula and you have clients and did that all happen after Ollie was born? Yeah, yeah. So not too long after he was born, I like soaked up all the maternity leave I could possibly get. Yeah. You know, and I was really fortunate. I got about six months. That's great. Yeah, I am so grateful. It amazes me and makes me so emotional to think of how many parents don't get that time. I know. It's heartbreaking to me. And I think that I'm excited to see where we move forward as a society with. I'm really hoping that it changes, especially in the U.S. In other countries, it's very, very different. Yes. I'm hopeful with like our generation. And then I have a sister who's seven years younger and a stepsister who's even younger. So like they're so open-minded and I'm hoping that they bring with them some modalities that would make maternal care a little better. Yeah. But yeah, so I had Ollie... I truly had a really good experience with midwifery care. And even though I didn't have a doula myself, I had met so many amazing people who were practicing that I knew that or I wanted to see if I could kind of find my place in that world. Right. So after maternity leave, I took a job, a very corporate job, which was beautiful. It, it gave Logan and I and Ollie, you know, the stability that we needed financially and kind of gave me a lot of time to think about what I wanted. And that's kind of when I did my doula training. Yeah. And we had done like family pictures one day and the girl doing our family pictures was a doula. And she was like, you have to do this. Like, don't even question it. You have to do this. So I did my training and I started practicing and I found very quickly, I wanted to be a birth doula. Like I wanted to be there for the birth. I really wanted to work with people prenatally. That was where I like set my expectation. Mm Mm-hmm. But I found out very quickly, I'm not a, I would love to be a planner and a preparer. You would think a Virgo at heart, yeah. like you, know that I, you would think that I would like plan out everything, but I'm just bad at it. Yeah. I was drawn towards postpartum. 
And I was really drawn towards people who had experienced loss, whether that was a miscarriage or an abortion. Like those were the people that I was really drawn towards. And I was like, okay. I was like, that's awesome. But then I was like, I had this time of, you know, I'm postpartum. So do I need to experience this fully before I can help other people? Like, where do I feel like I fit in? And then- You didn't want to feel like an imposter. Yeah. And all of a sudden I had this like epiphany. And that first summer with Ollie, you know, you know how Maine summers feel. Like everything is in full bloom and it's green and fresh and you're finally warm. And like just sitting outside, like breastfeeding Ollie, I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I was like, I am going to incorporate art with being a doula. Like I want to be an art doula. And I wanted to kind of take, you know, my before Ollie world and the things that I loved and like really held close to my heart and like wrap them into this newfound love for the birth community and the birth world. And it was weird because that first summer, Ollie is now a little over 15 months. So it took almost another six or seven months for me to know what that was going to look like. Right. And I wish I was patient. I, I've laughed. I've listened to so many of your podcasts and I laugh every time you mention, you're like, I, I wish I was a patient person. Oh my gosh. I wish I was too. I'm practicing it every single day. It's getting better. You have to get better. Like you have no other choice but to get better. <laughs> and I bet Hunter helps because I know yes. all he does. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if kids are patient. I don't know if I would say that, but they definitely make you more patient. Absolutely. So- Well, I didn't even know I was being patient, but within the time I had this moment where I was like, yeah, I want to do this to how it was going to happen. I just very recently kind of, you know, started unpacking that and and being like, okay, Uh, when I was pregnant with Ollie, I made a lot of art. I was painting. I was doing ceramics. There was always a creative practice that I was working with. Yeah. And I journaled and I had this like this journal filled with things that I hope one day I can give to Ollie. I wanted to ask you about that journal because it looks so beautiful. You were incorporating like watercolor and I'm sure. So were you journaling every single day? Whenever it felt right, at least with Ollie, I felt so intuitively connected to just a creative energy that I had never felt. It would hit me and I would be like, okay, like I know what I want to make. I know how I want to do it. Let me do this. It's going to feel good. And I did, there were some prompts and some books, you know, Birthing from Within was the first time I had kind of experienced art in the realm of birth. And so I would use some of their prompts. Logan did some, like we would create art based on these prompts that we were given. Oh, I love that. It was so funny. Looking back on them, it makes me giggle, but (laughs) it was cute. And so I knew how that impacted me and how mentally it benefited me to be able to be in that kind of creative flow while I was pregnant and things were changing and new and different. It's such a transformative time. Oh my goodness. In so many ways, good. And I don't want to say bad, but there's a lot of grief that comes with the change that you experience as you kind of make that transition from yeah. like lead into motherhood. It's a lot. And to be able to have like a creative outlet that you can express yourself with, I feel like that's such a beautiful way to kind of harness any of that grief or any of these feelings of change or whatever you're feeling and just kind of get it out there. And I'm sure that's probably why you felt so compelled to like express your creative side in such a bigger way while you were pregnant. Yeah. And I always thought that all it would be, I mean, he's so young. It's like, yeah, I can't say this, but I always thought he'd come out and he would just be like baby Picasso. Cause I was like, I'm painting all these things while I'm pregnant. This kid's got to come out and just like, We'll get there. He eats crayons still, but I think that's on par with. Yeah, that's normal. And <laughs> what's good about Ollie is that he has you as like this creative, beautiful artist mama. And then he has Logan as like the alpha male. So I feel like that's such a beautiful quality for men to possess is like yeah. having the duality of both masculine and feminine and just being able to like embrace both of those sides. And I feel like Ollie's going to grow up in such a perfect environment for him to, you know, flourish in both of those places. I feel like Hunter has that same, I feel like Josh kind of harnesses that same male energy. And then obviously like knowing you, I'm like, okay, yeah, like you got, there's such a yin and yang to the two of you. Yes. 
All right, my MILF fam, as you all know, I'm always looking for ways to aid in becoming the most optimal version of myself mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And one of the things I do to support myself in doing this is by taking my vitamins every single day. And I know it can be overwhelming sometimes with all of the supplement brands out there, but one brand that I've been a huge fan of for years now is Wealthy. Two products I absolutely love by them is the Her and the Sweat. And they just recently sent me the Vision Gummies, which I am so excited to try and see the results from. Get it? See the results from the Vision Gummies? Which I think is so cool that they are pioneering advocacy for vision health because, you know, we're always looking at our screens every day. And it's something that I think a lot of people just put on the back burner and dismiss. But the HER is a great way for women to get their daily dose of biotin, vitamins A, B, C, D, E, calcium, hyaluronic acid, magnesium, and selenium. Just all of the great things that us women need and are probably lacking and it's all in one. And then the sweat is something I like to take before a workout to just help enhance my burn with the natural caffeine. And there's also dandelion root in there to help with my metabolism and digestion. The quality of these supplements are just next level. And I'm telling you, you have to go check them out. If you use the code MILFBOD, you get 25% off your first order when you go check out at imwealthy.com. That's code MILFBOD, M-I-L-F-B-O-D at checkout at imwealthy, I-M-W-E-L-L-T-H-Y.com to get 25% off your first order. Enjoy, everybody. So what does it look like being a client? Like, what are some key topics that you like to touch on when you're taking on a new client? Yeah. So I felt really called to do a seasonal kind of overarching topic. So whatever Mm -hmm. kind of the season brings, we are really contrasting seasons in Maine. That's such a good way to structure it. I love that. And it was my friend who is also a doula. She's a massage therapist. And she takes on one client that she'll do birth massage for per season. And I loved how she structured it. Like she does four in total, more she has the time, but she does it by season. So spring this year is kind of based around this quote, which is a Virginia Woolf quote. And it says, "Uh, I am rooted, but I flow. So I kind of base all of the sessions I do in this spring season mm-hmm. on kind of that quote. So how can you find your foundation and use that in the flow that is your everyday life? And depending on if it's like a client who's working through past trauma or loss or grief versus somebody who is preparing for birth or someone who's already postpartum and is kind of processing something different, it would be structured differently. And then they just make some awesome art and like, I help guide them through the process and make sure that, you know, they're not getting in their head and kind of just letting it flow out as best as possible. Right. And then you reflect and let them kind of talk it out or write it out if they want to journal instead. And, you know, it's kind of this cathartic way to, to make art together, but also have someone hold space where you can be this version of yourself and kind of explore these feelings that might be pent up or, you know, housed in you some other way. I love it. It sounds very therapeutic and very healing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And I'm really fortunate. I'm hoping to be able to host more group sessions because I really feel like that's where, you know, my heart is when you're around all these people from different walks of life that don't fit your mold. Mm-hmm. And you're creating with them, but not for them. And you can kind of feel this community energy while you're making. I feel like it really adds to the process. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to kind of host those. There's some birthing center events coming up this year. And oh, so exciting. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to let patients guide the process. 
Yeah, it sounds like this is totally like a passion project of yours because you're like melting both of your worlds, your love of art and your love of like motherhood and postpartum and birth and all of that. And I think that that's so beautiful. And I think a lot of people should take note on that is just listening because it's hard figuring out what you want to do and finding out what you're passionate about and being able to just tap into yourself and listen to like, okay, these are two things that I really love. Like, let's mend these worlds together and make something amazing from it. And that's what you've done. And I feel like that's great. That's so inspiring. So every season, are you taking on multiple clients or are you kind of structuring it like your friend does and just taking on one client per season? I've been kind of letting people flow in and out. I've noticed that there's a really big draw when people first learn about the offering and they want to know more. And I love that. And I love being able to kind of explain what it is and like talk to people about how it might suit them. But there's also this moment, which I really, I highly encourage of pause where people are like, okay, I understand what this is. I think of it in this way. It's really cool or it's interesting. And then is this for me? And so I try to let in as many people who are interested as possible. And then I'm hoping that I can do at least, at least one group session per season. And kind of that way, there's some ease to the whole process. But yeah, so that's kind of the the goal is as many individual sessions as flows in and then Uh at least a group session per season to kind of keep that community aspect. Oh, I love that. That's such a good way to structure it. So switching gears a little bit, like how do you wear all of these hats? Because I know that on top of your doula work, you also have another job as well, right? Yeah. You you just started working for Maine Cabin Masters as, what is your title there? So I do all of their marketing, so their social media marketing. Amazing. Yeah. And it's awesome. So I do marketing full-time. Mm-hmm. And before I was with Main Cabin Masters, I worked for Main General. So I kind of did their marketing and social media stuff. But Cabin Masters has been great. And I know that your dad had known a lot of the guys Yes, when he was the code enforcement officer in that yep. area. Yeah, it's literally like right across the street. Yes, yeah. So yeah, like on top of your doula work and working on your passion projects and then your real job and then being a mama, being a partner, like how do you find time to wear all of those hats and kind of balance it all? I feel like every mom feels like they wish they had better balance. But then when somebody on the outside looks in, they're like, oh my gosh, you're doing great. You know what I mean? I've never seen a mom and thought she's not doing very well. I've always thought, oh, she's so amazing. Yeah. We don't give ourselves enough credit. Oh, absolutely. Every mom, I feel like, you know, same with dads. There's so many amazing just parents in general that you look at and from the outside, you're like, wow, that's impressive. So I do think that there could be more balance. Doing social media is an amazing privilege and it gives me a schedule that's so flexible for Ollie and Logan. Yeah. Logan works in the hospital. So he works three days a week. Right. And then Ollie kind of doesn't really have to go to daycare because between him, his schedule at the hospital and mine, we can kind of balance that. That's perfect. It's a blessing. It's amazing. But as you know, with social media, it's like 24-7 access. So you really have to cut yourself off eventually. So I really think balance comes in because I'm able to have a flexible schedule. Mm -hmm. But also there has been boundaries that I've had to like fine tune and I'm still tweaking as far as like. When to shut it off. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, it's an ongoing, I feel like anybody who's on social media can feel that in some capacity. Yeah. And then when it's a job, you're like, okay, I need some, I need to go outside and unplug, you know? Yes. Yes, for sure. Well, definitely from the outside, you are doing such an amazing job. And I know that to all of us, you know, personally, it doesn't feel like it. It's like, like you texted me today, like, I wish we had eight arms and like, I wish I was an octopus. <laughs> I wish that I could do all of these things all at once, but we need to give ourselves more credit. Absolutely. Every time I interview someone, I go through their social media and just like, you know, do some research. I think it's so beautiful what you share. Some of the ones that I love are like your reminder to slow down and just like being in the present moment. And then I loved this one that you had 
you said something about how like once you become a parent, your idea of like weekend plans changes so much. So it's so it's so funny how like you very quickly have very different priorities. So like what's your idea of like the perfect weekend now that you have Ollie? Oh my goodness. goodness. (laughs) The idea of the perfect weekend. I am such a family time hoarder. Like you could present me with the most amazing thing. And if I can bring my family, I'm in. But if I can't, then I'm like, yeah. And I just, I've always been that way. So this Logan being home from work, you know, Ollie being ready to go, maybe not teething. Yeah. I know you're in that phase. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Hunter has, does he have all his chompers at this point? Yes. Yeah, he does now. That's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, just to be home with them and have it be nice outside and we can go for a hike and Ollie loves a picnic. So, you know, like a nice Aww, little picnic. So cute. And yeah. Just something outside with the family is like the ideal. We Maybe a nap, like all of us nap. Oh, that sounds so ideal. Isn't that? What about you? Yeah, that seems pretty on point. Like I usually try and structure my weekends so that I don't have to work. Josh does the same thing because it's kind of nice that we can kind of you know, accept or decline jobs, you know, according to when we want to work. So we always try and make sure that we don't have work going on on the weekends, like outside of the house. You know, we may have to do a little bit of computer work, but for the most part, it's just exactly what you said, like hanging out in the backyard, being outside, going for long walks, taking a nap if I can with Hunter, just being very chill, getting a lot of cleaning done, like preparing for the week. And it's just so nice to have that like reset. Yes. And then another thing that I wanted to touch on too was you talked about some tips for postpartum vaginal birth recovery. Yeah. So do you have maybe like two or three tips that you would give the audience on that topic? Yeah. Because I feel like it's something that not a lot of people talk about and not a lot of people know about unless you're exposed to like the midwifery community. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're totally right that it's almost like an afterthought. You prepare so much for baby, right? Yep. Baby has all the things baby could possibly need. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, but like the birthing person needs these things. I think overarching the best tip that I ever got, and it was from a doula who specialized in postpartum planning. Like her specialty was my weakest point, which was planning. Yeah. And it was have this basket. I had this little metal basket mm-hmm. that sat on the back of my toilet in my bathroom. Mm-hmm. And it was easily accessible. It had any kind of product that could help for healing postpartum, but it was right there to grab. And yeah. you didn't have to like reach into a cabinet or remember to grab it in this hideaway place. And I know that like growing up when I would be on my menstrual cycle, when I would be on my moon, I would have any products that I use like in the cabinet. And so I'd have to like lean over and like grab yeah. it and like, pull these things. And it was like, whatever. I mean, it's not the prettiest stuff to look at. So it makes <laughs> sense. But we've all been there. Right. But postpartum, having it right there where you need it, when you're going to use it is oh, ideal. Efficiency. Yes, ma'am. So that's number one is whatever you're going to have, whatever you think you may need, to have it in a basket, organized the best you can and ready and easy to grab. What was in your basket? Adult diapers? Yes. And like three different kinds, just in case. Uh Uh-huh. So I had, you know, like the Freedom Mom disposable one, like underwear type things. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had some from the hospital, which I'm not going to lie to you. The hospital ones are my favorite. Oh, But I had a bunch of those and like the huge like cooling pads, Pads. you know, like like you could float away from them. They were huge. (laughs) But those were awesome. And when I was in the hospital, I had this amazing nurse who literally came in to the bathroom and sat on the floor with me. And she took one of those pads and she lined it with these witch hazel. I had brought these witch hazel circles. Yep. But we lined the pad with the circles and then we had this like – cooling cream that we slathered on top of that Ooh. and then that's what we like pulled up on the diaper that's perfect it was amazing 
So all those little things, like the witch hazel pads are 10 out of 10, whether you do like a numbing spray or whatever. Anytime I was done going to the bathroom and nice and clean, like like that would be my cocktail. (laughs) That is a good cocktail. My my midwife and my doula had me make, they call them padsicles. So you would take the witch hazel on those giant pads spread it all over the pad and then put it in the freezer so that it's nice and cold and then put them on nice and cold with the witch hazel so you're like absorbing all of that and that was game changer for me amazing right was it yeah so coming out of the freezer was it a relieving type of cold or was it a lot it was intense at first but then it kind of like melts pretty quickly there's this brand called fat in the moon Uh and they have a bunch of like holistic products. I use like their belly butter a lot when I was pregnant, Mm. but they had this like perineal spray Uh and it has witch hazel and like lavender and different things in it. And that was a game changer too, to just spray like right after you went to the bathroom to just like feel clean and feel refreshed. That's a good tip. It was amazing. I highly recommend that brand and my midwives had them. Fat in the moon? Yes. Okay. Okay, babe, now that we're into all of the motherhood stuff, let's move into the acronym. Start with the M. What do you do to stay mindful? I feel like there's so many things that we've already touched on. I mean, just doing your art alone is probably such a mindful practice for you. But are there other things that you do? I'm so proud. I made a little bit of a list. (laughs) Okay, what's on your list? So more than anything, art for sure, but being with Ollie. Yeah. Like there's nothing more mindful than a young child or baby. Like they're it's in the so moment. True. Yeah. Like I'm sure you see it with Hunter. It's almost like your eyes have to be closed to not realize how in the moment these kids are. No cares in the world other than what's in front of them at the moment. Not at all. And yeah. it's amazing. And that's how it should be. And we've talked about this when you came home to Maine last. Mm-hmm. For a while, you know, being on my phone anywhere near Ollie. I knew intuitively, like, I didn't want to do that. And, like, yeah. sometimes you can't avoid it, right? Because you you work, right. I'm sure, from your phone sometimes too, and I do. But it, like, takes away from that present moment. Like, they know you're not there with them. Absolutely. So being with him, number one mindful practice that I never knew I was ever going to receive. I know. They're a constant reminder, right? Absolutely. Every day. And then I read this thing, and I wanted to share it with you. I've been reading this book and it's called The Early Riser Companion. And it was talking about finding different moments in your day that are an in-breath and then different moments that are an out-breath. Oh, I love that. It's incredible. And I think about it all the time since I read it. So it's like an in-breath would be when you're making breakfast, you know, mm-hmm. maybe Hunter's helping you or like Ollie's helping me and you're making breakfast and maybe Josh is running around. Everything is good. But you guys are all like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're preparing. Right. And then when you guys might go out back and you sit down and you're eating together and you're all like in one spot, it's an out breath. Yeah. You can exhale and like it's a relief. Oh, I love that. And so there's different parts of our day that are both. And when you kind of break it down, you can kind of tune into what you need more of. Mm -hmm. So like- okay, we've been holding our breath for a while. Like, you know, maybe Ollie didn't sit down to eat. He's running around with a waffle and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. we need to go outside and play. And like, and so I think that's been really helpful. Being mindful is thinking about those in and out breaths and what I need more of and what the family might need more of and kind of facilitating it that way. I love that. That's beautiful. So that kind of is in line with your intuition as well. I feel like your whole life has been listening about your intuition from your story. Is there something that you do on a daily basis that like helps you tap into that intuition? I definitely think being a mom has shown me the most because I completely agree with growing up. My mother was very intuitive forward. She was like, you know that feeling that you feel in your stomach? Listen to it. She was so on that train. But I think being a mother has taught me the more you listen to your intuition, when you have that gut feeling, when your body is telling you something, when you listen to it, it only gets stronger Mm -hmm. and easier to hear, really. And so I think, you know, I don't have a necessary like a practice besides 
the act of trying to listen and kind of fulfill what my intuition is trying to tell me. So whether that's eating, like I know that you've talked about intuitive eating. Right. Yeah. Or whether that's, you know, I need to go for a walk. We've been in the house too long. There's been too much, you know, stimulation. We need to go outside and kind of regroup and reconnect. So I think the practice of just trusting and saying yes to my intuition more has been a way for me to, to kind of connect with that on a daily basis. Yeah. What does your eating look like? I don't necessarily like to say diet, but like, what are you, what are you eating on a daily basis? So I'm vegetarian Uh and Ollie eats vegetarian kind of incongruency. We don't have meat in the house. Right. So Logan wasn't vegetarian when we met and I don't know how much Logan loves to cook, which is okay. Cause I love, 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 love to cook. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That in and of itself is probably a whole nother mindful thing, like a moving meditation. But me not cooking meat kind of transitioned him. He was like, I'll just be vegetarian too. Because it's just easier. That's just what works here. But he's amazing. Logan completely was like, yeah, on the train, hasn't looked back. Wow. So I'm vegetarian and I have been for quite a while, probably since college. I saw this awful pita video with some turkeys on Thanksgiving and I was like, okay. Oh. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll definitely do it. But other than that, it's a lot of organic seasonal produce. And with Ollie in particular, I've tried really hard to eliminate the added sugars and the dyes and any kind of artificial natural flavors, things like that. But other than that, we really just kind of go with whatever we're feeling, whatever we're craving. Mm -hmm. To me, they feel broad. We try not to eliminate anything, but I don't eat meat. That's just a me thing. And then the sugar and the additives kind of came once Ollie was here. I was like, okay, like, yeah, you know, these things aren't great and I really don't want them in his body. So maybe we should kind of follow suit. Definitely. Yeah. And I feel like, thank goodness nowadays, I look back on like when we were growing up, there weren't a lot of great alternatives. And now there's just like a plethora of amazing options that you can get that are organic and well-sourced, especially for baby food. I feel like they're putting in so much crap in this stuff. But now we're very fortunate that we have all of these resources. And it's so funny that you say that you're vegetarian because Josh and I aren't vegetarian, but Hunter doesn't like meat. He just, he just doesn't. Yeah. So maybe he's going to grow up vegetarian as well. He does like eggs though. Yes. Yes, we eat eggs. Yeah. That's the one thing that he does like. But other than that, like as far as chicken, he doesn't like it. And I don't know if it's a texture thing or what. And it's so funny. This is like very off topic. But my friend, her friend has a baby. His name is Leo. And he's like a month younger than Hunter. And he is obsessed with meat. And I think (laughs) it's because his mom is a vegetarian as well. And so my friend showed me, she probably has like 12 plus videos of this baby just walking around, (laughs) opening the fridge, just going. And the way that he says it, I'm going to send you a video after because you're just going to laugh so hard. He's like acting like a baby. And then all of a sudden he just goes, meat. (laughs) And that's all he wants is just meat, meat. And it's so funny. I just like... I was oh dying because she was like, yeah, Hunter should be friends with this kid. And I just picture them hanging out and Hunter having his like vegetarian plate. And then he just has like a huge wad of meat on his plate. It's so funny. I love that. Oh, my God. I digress. So let's get back on topic. What are some of your lifestyle non-negotiables? Yeah, I have been on myself and on Logan to have some kind of routine. Like you hear that kiddos thrive on routine. I worked in a school, like, you know. They like structure. Right, which is fine. I think we all do. But like, I'm awful. I'm awful with planning. To stick to a routine, I've always been someone who's like, ooh, I feel like I need a walk at 6 a.m. That's what we're doing. That's good though. You're listening to your intuition. (laughs) But I think every single day, if I really think about the things that – I should be doing because I know they feel really well. Mm-hmm. Besides making sure that we're eating, and I say we because like as a family, if Logan is over there eating, like 
a wonderful salad. It has all these greens and it's like fresh from the store. And then I'm eating like chicken nuggets. So I mean, all you're eating chicken nuggets, like it doesn't feel as unified. But if right. we're eating healthy food and we're like nourishing our bodies in that way, mm-hmm. we need to be outside too. Yes. Eating well and being outside, regardless of how spontaneous or sporadic my brain feels, those two things I need for myself. And then I try to implement them for the family. I read this book that was saying that a lot of times the person who plays the mother role mm-hmm. in a family kind of sets the tone for Absolutely. the mood of the house, right? And so I always think about like when Ollie sees us eating a certain way, like very healthy or speaking about food in a positive way or, you know, getting outside, that sets the tone for how he's going to kind of set himself up. Yeah. But those those two things, so eating nourishingly and not filling my body full of heavy things. Yeah. Then being outside is huge. Non-negotiable. 100%. I have to do both of those things every single day or else I feel just not good. Right. They're so simple, but they're also such a big game changer. Absolutely. Absolutely. What does your fitness routine look like? So that is something that I've definitely developed as I've gotten older. So I've always been a relatively anxious person. Mm -hmm. But growing up, I've always kind of come back to yoga and more recently breath work. And Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, my mom, when I was in high school, I had just this crazy amount of anxiety for what I don't know. But my mom brought me to this amazing art therapist. And I sat down with this woman and she goes, oh, well, you just need to breathe. And in that moment, my like little sophomore year brain, I was like, what? I am breathing. Like I'm barely, but I'm breathing. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're like, what do you mean? But like looking back on that, it makes so much sense because through yoga and practicing breath work and kind of building my own relationship with that and kind of as a fitness routine, really, I've found so much relief from so much anxiety. Yeah. So full circle that kind of no matter what's going on, I've recently started doing Pilates now that, you know, I felt ready for that after Ollie and I love it. I mean, we don't have any reformer Pilates up in this area, Yeah. but when I can get that in, that feels really good. A lot of walking and hiking. Yeah. Yeah. And it also comes full circle too. Like talking about the breath work, I feel like that's such a good way to be mindful as well. Cause if you're not intentional about the way that you're breathing, sometimes we're just holding our breath and like, we're just so tight. And I think if you just take that time to step back and be like, okay, inhale and exhale. And that brings us back to what you were talking about earlier is like those inhales of the day and the exhales. Yeah. So that's such a good reminder. And I feel like, yeah, everything that you just mentioned is just like such a good balanced way. It's not nothing too like crazy. You're just doing some yoga and breath work and getting outside and walking and nature. And I feel like that's honestly like the best things that you can do for your body and your mind. A lot of ease is what we're trying to bring into this Mm -hmm. next season of life, whatever that looks like. I think everyone could use some more grace and a lot more ease in their life. Absolutely. Okay, my love. The last question I ask, as you probably know, is if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? It would be so fun to ask this question like now, because I'm almost 26, and then to ask it again in like 10 years. I know. know, It changes so much, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, because I would just tell myself, slow down. Like it will happen. And whatever it is, you know, like you have this life to live and it will be beautiful and it will be so fulfilling in ways that like you can't even imagine. But like, there's like those three periods at the end. Like there is going to be dot, more. Dot, dot. Like it is okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, growing up, I was always like, all right, what's next? So restless and like yeah. so ready to go, to go, to go, to go. And I think to look back and be able to be like, hey, like where you're at is great, but it's temporary. So kind of like embrace that, and you know, and like yeah. live for that because there's so much more to come. And I think that's what I would say. That is beautiful. And I think motherhood helps us to remember that on a daily basis too. Yeah. I could have used that as well. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Taylor. Well, you are absolutely amazing. You're such a wealth of knowledge. 
thank you so much for being here today. Can you let everyone know where they can find you and connect with you? Yeah, I think the easiest place is on Instagram mm-hmm. at Dula Tay. Yep. That's kind of where all my birth work stuff lives. Yeah, everyone go check it out because like I said before and like I've mentioned so many times in this episode, I feel like every single post that you have is just like packed with such great information and it's just so aesthetically pleasing your page and I love you so much and I feel like you're such a like grounding and nurturing soul and I'm so happy that you're in my life. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad to have been done this and you talked me right into it. And I'm so <laughs> glad that you did. Yes. I know you were like, what like what am I gonna talk about? I'm like, are you kidding me? You have so much to talk about. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you and you are so inspiring to me. And so I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Yes, and me able too. To talk more. Yeah, and I can't wait to bring Hunter home this summer and him and Ollie can hang out more because they were so cute the last time that we came. Oh my gosh. They were in love. (laughs) Ollie is so stinking cute. Like, I can't even imagine how you must feel on a daily basis. His little laugh and his smile and just, like, he's such an affectionate little love bug. Like, oh, my God. He's so cute. At least once a week, we watch Trash Truck and talk about you and Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing a trash-themed birthday party for his second birthday. I, I still haven't planned it yet, so. Could you even imagine if someone would have told you? That your, I know. your second birthday would be trash truck thing. You'd be like, okay. The amount of times this kid says trash in a day is just like, it's wild. Uh, one day I should count it. And so I can write it down and tell him <laughs> when he's older. I love that you embrace it. Yeah. Though. Oh, you I know? love it. I love it's it so awesome. much. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gained some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker and the podcast at MILFBODPOD. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.